In the last episode, we touched base on God actually having a name, um, which is the Father. And um, I, I decided today, let's put a little bit of meat to that. Um, um, let's, let's, let's put something to anchor that. Um, because I believe there's, there's, there's so much to it than just saying, oh, okay, God has a name and his name is the Father. Um, I'll read something interesting from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I read it from verse, from verse 5. Paul says to the Corinthians church, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, which is quite interesting, as there are many gods and many lords, verse 6 says, But yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things and we for him. Hallelujah. Let me repeat that. Yet for us there is one God, the Father. Amen. That's just to anchor what we spoke about, um, not trying to pull any strings, just to say, look, he has a name and we have to explore this name. What we're going to do today is to actually dive in into the significance of him being our father. And that then drives me to a parable that we all know and we've, we've, we've probably had a sermon about or even shared with our, with our brothers and sisters which is the parable of the lost, uh, the lost son, which you find in Luke 15. I'll read from verse 11. You'll bear with me because I'm going to read almost everything. Um, because there's something that I want us to draw from it, something very profound. It says, there was a certain man, Jesus is sharing this. It says, there was a certain man who had two sons, underlying sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now that's an interesting part. We always thought the other son didn't get. Everyone got, he divided to them, right? He divided, says, this one's yours, this one's. He didn't just say, oh, take yours, and then the other one was, was left hanging. No. When the other one requested for his portion, he divided it eh? to them, you understand, to the two sons. That's verse 12. Verse 13 says, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and where, he, uh, where and they wasted his possessions with uh, prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of, the, of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he could gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Not that he ate it. He would gladly have filled his stomach. Meaning it was something that he could have done. Then this is what happened, verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise. I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is his speech, his practicing. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Right? Make me like one of your hired servants. That's like demotivate me from the position of a son so that I may not call you father. That's what he's asking for. Verse 20 says, And he arose and he came to his father. 
And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had, a, and had compassion. Thank you, Jesus. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, he's now going to repeat exactly what he practiced. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, underline, the father said to his servants, did not listen to the son, did not entertain the son. He spoke to the servants. He says, servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattest calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now, his older son was in the field, verse 25, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what's these things meant? And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fattest calf. But he was angry. He would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. <laughs> I have transgressed. I have, tran I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. What a perfect child, isn't it? And yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. I've followed, I've served, I've followed commandments, but I haven't got this. Verse 30 says, this is where I want you to, 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 to get your ears popping. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with halots, you killed the fattest calf for him. <laughs> Verse 31, and said to him, son, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. Hallelujah. Son, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. If we didn't get an awakening from this, I don't know what. This is a parable Jesus is sharing. And of course, in every parable, there's something that Jesus was trying to teach. And here comes now a revelation that God is our father. Like, look, man, we have but one God, the father. Jesus, can you help us, says the disciples. How should we pray? He says, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What name? The name the Father. Now, he says, okay, no problem. Because the, every time, go check it out. Every time in the gospel, Jesus speaks of God. He does not say God. He says, Father, my Father, my Father, my Father. My father. But when he referenced to them, he says to God so that they can understand. And that's the same reason why they said you must crucify this man. He makes himself equal to God by calling himself a son of God. Right? Yeah. So now, let me take you to Romans 8. Because what has happened here is a shift. Is an inheritance of something that we did not have before. Which is, we now have this privilege of us calling God the Father. Amen. Now listen to this. And this is how it happened. Um, it says here, round about when you read Romans 8, round about um, 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 verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, right? For you have not received the spirit of bondage again. That bondage, one day I will share with you, it has nothing to do with many people that, many things that other people may speak about. It has to do with the, old system, an old way of worship. Anyways, it says, 
you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We'll get clarity what the spirit of adoption is. He says the receiving of the spirit of adoption in us makes us cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness. The same spirit, he says, it bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs to God and join heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. The word heir means a sharer. It means an inheritor. It says here, if you are a child of God, you are a sharer of the things of God. You are joint heirs with Christ, meaning there is no one greater. You see, when you're when a joint heir, it's like a brother. You understand? You can be an heir of God, meaning I can partake in the inheritance of the things of God. But when you are joint heirs, it means we are in the same level. So you are joint heirs with Christ. This is the significance of understanding that God is your father. So God deliberately puts you from a position of you are nobody to a position of this is my son. You understand? This is my son. So he now says, you are my children and therefore you are partakers. You are, in, you are partakers or inheritors of my possession. That's why when the older son comes and says, I've done A, B, and C and I have not received such. He says, you've been with me. What is mine is yours. This is a mindset that believers do not have because they do not see God as our father. Listen to me. He is the, he is, he is the creator of things. He is the creator of all things, right? It, we just read in Corinthians that things consist of him. Now, if that is where we stand, where should we be? Amen. I, I just wanted to just scrutinize this to you. Now, let's read the same, the same almost similar parable. Um, no, not a parable, sorry. Um, a same writing um, that um, we see uh, similar to Romans 8 in Galatians 4. He says in verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. He said in Romans, it's the spirit of adoption. So the spirit of adoption is similar to saying the spirit of his son. So God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So this is what happens. You, Ams Busiso, nothing, nothing great, Mavuso, you know, whatever in Swaziland or Eswatin. But when I receive um, the, 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 the finished works of, of Christ on the cross, I receive a spirit of adoption, a spirit of his son. It is that spirit of the son. It says in Romans, it says that spirit bears witness with my spirit. The spirit of the son bears witness with the spirit of Sibusiso. That Sibusiso, you are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, then you are an heir of God. We just read it in Romans 8. So it says, we have received the spirit of his son into our hearts. And this spirit cries out, Abba Father, hallelujah. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Eh? You are no longer a slave, but a son. That slave there has nothing to do with torture or anything or whatever. Um, I don't want to twist it. If we can get it in context, again, the out of bondage, out of slavery is, has to do with the older system of worship. Now it says, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we, we really need to grill these things and make and, and, and understand. I thought maybe 
it would make enough sense also to read to you Hebrews chapter 1 from this one round about verse 4. It's awesome stuff. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. <laughs> he says in time past he used prophets to speak to us. He says, no, no, now in these last days he's used his son whom he appointed. He said the son, Christ, he has appointed a of all things. So Jesus, or should I say the Christ, is the inheritor of all things. Through whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had he by himself perished our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For of which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Hallelujah. What are you saying, Spoo? He says, in the last days, he has chosen to speak through his son. Time passed, he was using prophets. He says, this son, he's appointed him heir of all things. Now, if my spirit that has received the spirit of the son, it says you are a child of God. He says that I'm called joint. I'm joint heirs with the Christ, with the one who has inherited all things. Therefore, this may, should make you understand that you are a partaker of great things. You are a partaker of something bigger than what you probably are thinking. Because we usually limit our thinking to so many minute things. I'm speaking massive stuff here. I'm speaking massive stuff where God is literally telling his children, what is mine is yours. And you can just imagine what God owns. You can just imagine. Just, just what does God own? And he says, look, you're an, you're an heir of all that. You are joint heirs with Christ. He says, he says, he says, he has inherited a name. After he perished our sins, Jesus he says he inherited a name that makes him more excellent than angels. He says, which of the angels has ever God called my son? Hallelujah. None of them. So therefore, we always push a mandate. No, no, angels are better than us. They are more holy. No, you're wasting your time. There's an obtaining of a better name. Son, which no angel has ever received. He continues, when you read in Hebrews 1, he says they are just ministering spirits. Aren't they just ministering spirits, servants to the ones who shall who have who, who obtained salvation? So my point being that whatever the Father owns is yours. And therefore, if you understand that the name, the Father, that God has a name, the Father, it should unlock so many things in your mind that what kind of relationship do I have with this God. Amen. What kind of relationship? I just shared a, a, just a, a, a side of things. That you are an heir to him that because he's your father. And, and because he holds that name. So be blessed, saint, and please understand that these are things we need to walk in. We need to confess all the time. When you pray, say, my father who is in heaven. Hallelujah. My father, my father. Amen. Because he is and we are his sons. We are his children because we receive the spirit of adoption that is crying, Abba Father. Be blessed in Jesus' name.